have. Oh, sorry. <laughs> nope. What was it? Because <laughs> I realized I have my my fingerless gloves on, so I had a huge like thunk instead of a normal clap. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it spikes, it's fine. If it spikes, it looks rikes. Yep, that's what they say, right? That's what people yeah. in the spikes business say. Spikes is right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special, very strange episode of uh, You Love to See It, the Fanbite movie and TV and sometimes other things podcast where we watch or rewatch stuff together uh, and tell you all about it. Uh, I am your one of your hosts. I haven't been on in a little bit here. Uh, I haven't been able to uh, record this particular program in a couple of weeks, but I'm back here today, Stephen Strum, managing editor of Fanbyte.com, with Sabriel Mastin. Hello, thank you for having me back, or, or at least on one of the shows. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. This is your first time on this one, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it oh, is. Oh, yeah. I think we picked uh, a good one to start on. Yeah, I think we did, um, just in general. This is a bit of an odd one, too, just because, again, uh, these are the only two hosts this week. Normally, we have a few more. Uh, the problem we ran into is perhaps you've heard of this um, little bug going around right now called the coronavirus uh, by a few people. It's been talked about in a couple of different circles. And as a result of that, people are being asked to stay in their homes and not go to large public gatherings. And everybody else who is going to be on this podcast with us this week, it was actually going to be a pretty packed house and i was actually very excited about that very excited about this a more intimate show too don't get me wrong but uh danielle and lb hunk tears uh fan bites uh wrestling editor were not able to be on this week because they were not able to get into a theater <laughs> um, in <laughs> new york city this week uh so instead the north dakota crew is here together again to talk about birds of prey because we drove to a another town about an hour away and saw the movie with three other people in the theater yeah i mean that was the whole story we're like all week we're like all right when should we do this when should we do this and come saturday morning i'm like all right we need to go see this movie and i look like there's no movie times mm -hmm. <laughs> locally, anymore. locally yeah they, they the friday was the last new day or day so looked it up like oh they're showing it north an hour north of here like and if we leave in 20 minutes we can make it and so uh -huh. so we did <laughs> and we sure did yeah uh did we say is birds of prey is the is the film that we went to go see this uh last weekend here uh sorry i'm uh getting a message right now mm, yep somebody's in the earpiece it's actually called birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn uh is the full title of the film which i i think i heard was like they added that whole part to it to try and, like, boost sales or something like that after the movie came out, which yeah, I, don't I don't know how true that is. I don't know if it was right after, but dang near. I remember, I remember seeing a headline, like, Harley Quinn movie, change, or Birds of Prey, change this title. I'm like, mm. okay. And it was always going to have Harley Quinn in it. It was always yeah. about that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's a it's kind of a strange structure for a movie. Like, I mean, which is appropriate given like the strange movie theater we saw it in, I would say. Oh, my say. God. Oh, boy. I should talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to go ahead and start off that? You want to do you want to describe to people the place that we went to? Yeah. So we ended up going to a place called East Grand Forks, Minnesota, which is the border town to Grand Forks. North Dakota. Yeah. And different places. Yeah, entirely different cities. Uh, and East Grand Forks exists only because North Dakota had uh, alcohol prohibition around 1900. So uh, it was one of those towns that only exists because of alcohol. Huh, and I actually did not know that. Yeah, yeah, same with Moorhead uh, huh. here in town. Anyway, that's local stuff. Uh, so we went to <laughs> this theater out in the middle, of, like basically equivalent of middle of nowhere. Uh, it was a 15 theater. It was a normal theater. However, we get we get there. It's like it's in a mall. Like that's not norm That's not too out of out of normal normal seat. But we get in. Like there's no entrance. There's nothing that says this is the theater. Right. We just see this like weird carpet. It looks like you know, like roller derby or bowling alley '90s or '80s carpeting, uh, with wood wood paneling all over the place. Like it's a big, huge ca uh, cabin. And, right. Like, yes. There's no box office. No box like, office at all. Like no no ticket counter. Like you go into a movie theater. At least around here, maybe it's different in other places. But around here, you go to a theater. There's a box office where you get your tickets. Then you go into the rest of the building, and the rest of the building is where you get like snacks and have a pop machine and bathrooms and all that stuff. In this building, that's all one area. They don't have separate places for tickets and 
concessions, the showtimes are just next to the popcorn and you have to like ask the people for your tickets there, which was very odd to me. I had never seen that before. Yeah, I walked up and I'm like, I've never been here before. Do I get tickets here? I'm like, yeah, like, okay. Uh, and, and they had like the weirdest reaction to us asking that question. It's just like, what are you fucking stupid kind of moment <laughs> of like, because like everybody behind there's like, you know, three teenagers all standing behind the counter like you do when you work at a movie theater when you're a teenager, just all talking and kind of shooting the shit and stuff like that. And the minute we come up and ask them like a real question, all three of them just village of the damned style, stop talking, stand next to each other and stare at us as we like give this ticket and become dead serious for a few seconds. And it's just like, what have we walked into? <laughs> so we get our tickets and they're like, it's over there in theater five. I'm like, okay, cool. So we uh, yeah. get our stuff. We go through this like <laughs> this labyrinth of party rooms and like trans like huge transformer statues. All oh, of the transformers, um, Iron Man, and like also like you know those are current ish movies. The Transformers movies maybe not as much, but there's like cardboard cutout standees from like the other guys that Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg movie from like 11 years ago that like beam comedy that like nobody really remembers. Like a bunch of memorabilia for films like that like mixed in with modern day like oh yes this is what movies look like it's marvel and disney and superheroes and whatever so we walk around we walk by these two party rooms apparently that's still a thing some theaters do or at least this one does sure yeah and get <laughs> to what looks like a normal ass looking just a house door <laughs> right with the number five next to it like like, right. like you get like a, on your house number five yeah. and it just like, yeah it looked like yeah yeah you're like a porch door <laughs> like built into the open, wall pull it open and sure enough it's a like 60 person theater <laughs> yeah fairly like i mean fairly tiny by theater standards but like still a big enough room that you would expect them to have like a theater door on not this like again strange sort of like oh yeah this like just looks like my grandma's house like kind yeah. of thing built into the side of the, uh, the building what a bizarre place that was like there was a whole arcade and they had uh as we stopped to take pictures of and look at uh, an Altered Beast machine, the Altered Beast arcade game, and the Injustice, was it Injustice, right? Like Injustice oh, 2? DC thing, like Injustice yeah. something or other. One of, the, one of the NetherRealm fighting games, but yeah. like the mobile version in an arcade cabinet. Uh, and uh, Daytona, of course. Yeah, and Daytona USA, <laughs> of course, like, God, like, no theater arcade is complete without at least one light gun game, whether that's House of the Dead or uh, Time Crisis, and Daytona USA, of course. <laughs> uh, it was a very strange experience, and just everything about it from, like, tip to toe, like, the way the building looked, the way, like, because it was also, like, a bunch of other stores in this mall that um, had nothing to do with the theater itself, really? It was like a no. comic book shop? I feel like the theater took over when the mall started dying and just like, well, we'll just build a theater in this <laughs> yeah. old, uh, you know, Babbage's or whatever. Yeah, you you had the point that where you thought that like maybe the person who owns that building is just some kind of like weird huge dork who just had a bunch of comic book shit and was like already into superheroes and comic books and just bought out the whole building and stretched out like a couple of different things that were semi-related to one another yeah it definitely felt like that like all the movie stuff that the theaters get over the years he just plastered it all over the wall there's yeah. even there's even uh, the alien from alien yeah. uh in the al or in the hallway just out in the open it was uh it's like please do not climb or touch this is made this was made in indonesia from car parts yeah <laughs> it looks, looks cool but yeah, yeah and it's uh, like they were like and it says like it weighs a lot or something like that <laughs> like some cheeky message on it or whatever what is god what a what a weird experience, but also I think an appropriate experience to see a fairly, mm, excuse me, a fairly weird movie that was also a very good movie, I thought, personally. I, so, I really enjoyed this, and I have seen two DC movies during my entire life. Oh, wow, really? Or at least in the, the new incarnation of DC. Okay. I saw, um, was it Man of Steel? Yeah, that's the Superman one, the first one. Yeah, and Wonder Woman. Okay. That's it. So this is I've your third one third one i have like no interest over all these years to see any of these most of them are bad <laughs> so <laughs> it's like i missed out or I did not miss out yeah until i'm glad we went to this one i had a lot of fun like i i grew up not a comics person yeah i didn't watch any of this stuff growing up i remember seeing my cousin watch uh the batman cartoon mm. uh oh, it's not beyond what was it called animated series animated batman animated yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing Harley Quinn. I remember I've seen Harley Quinn a million times. Oh yeah, she's uh, everywhere. On she's internet. huge. Uh, like my most recent experience with Harley Quinn was uh, a year or so ago. I pulled up uh, PUBG 
again. Like, oh, right. I did not know they had this tie-in. So I'm just up there with my friends and I, I get separated from them. And some randos out there and I shoot them and like, why is this person wearing hot pants? Yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. Hot pants. And then that's when I discovered there was a crossover. So I stole his loot and was wearing hot pants all over. Right. There was like a Suicide Squad crossover. That's what I don't know what it was. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my experience with Harley Quinn coming up with a random person shooting them and taking their Harley Quinn uh, daddy t-shirt. Of course. Pants. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which does... <laughs> appear in this film at the very end in a very limited capacity <laughs> but uh because like this movie is technically a sequel to suicide squad the movie that came out like a few years ago and was like generally critically pretty much panned i think yeah um and but it, it like acknowledges that that movie exists very briefly but like doesn't play into anything that happened in that film at all basically like um the for you know, to just kind of set things up for what this movie is about. I know Danielle usually does a more formal sort of synopsis of the film from Wikipedia. I don't have that in front of me right now because I didn't think to do it. So I'm just going to say uh, the basic idea of the movie is that one Harley Quinn, the uh, longtime beau uh, girlfriend sort of punching bag of the Joker, gets dumped uh, for the last time. She finally, like... Gets her life together a little bit after um, doing that. Like, we never actually see the Joker on screen, really. But uh, there is a montage of her being, like, kicked out of their shared house or whatever. Um, and there's, like, a bunch of characters that are like, ah, they're, they break up all the time and they get back together again, etc., etc. Harley is like, nope, this time is different. I am going to make a big statement uh, and show the whole world that I'm an independent woman. I'm going to be by myself for the first time ever or the first time since I hooked up with uh, the Clown Prince of Crime. And she blows up Ace Chemical, uh, which is the place that Joker was born into Joker and Harley Quinn was born into Harley Quinn, uh, which signals to the entire city of Gotham that Harley Quinn is now no longer under the protection of one Joker, one Mr. J, if you will. And everybody that she has ever wronged in her life under the protection of this like genocidal uh, supervillain is now after her, which includes, uh, was it Ewan McGregor in this one uh, as Black Mask? Was right? that who that was? I think so. It I think was, that was I did McGregor. not recognize him at all. Yeah, it's, it's Obi-Wan. Is that Ewan McGregor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan, but that's Ewan McGregor. But yeah. uh, I did not recognize him at all. But I'm also terrible with people like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. My my description of Ian McGregor would be, dude, what was in Star Wars? Uh, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's probably where most people remember him from at this point. But joining the Pantheon, I feel of sort of like handsome, heartthrobby white guys from like the mid 90s to early 2000s who are now kind of like finding a new renaissance as like shitty evil villains in <laughs> movies like this. Like Han Solo also had a very similar role for, uh, God, I forget his name, Chaucer from A Knight's Tale. That doesn't matter. He plays uh, Black Mask, who is kind of the lead villain in this film, a crime lord who is making a play to run the organized crime division of Gotham, has uh, one Mr. Zaz, uh, another DC, famous DC villain who is a serial killer, as his right-hand man in this one. Uh, as the movie goes on, uh, Harley winds up running into... Um, the Birds of Prey, this movie's version of the Birds of Prey anyway, which includes Renee Montoya, um, Dinah Lance as Black Canary, and who's the third one? Uh, Helena Bertinelli, the Huntress. And they all kind of team up to go find Cassandra Kane, another DC character who looks very different in this movie uh, than what she looks like in the comics. And they are trying to track down a diamond that is the key to a massive fortune that Black Mask wants to get his hands on. And... Just to start things off, uh, Sabriel, what did you think about this movie in general? Kind of just the general plot line, like as somebody who is not into comic book movies or comic books and, and comic book movies like this one, at least DC ones. Um, how did you feel about like all these different kind of plot threads and different characters kind of converging together? So, I, I mean, I could kind of follow along. I mean, I knew the Joker movie, the, the Suicide Squad, whatnot like that, and Harley Quinn. And... So her part, I, I get this. I know. I kind of had an idea of her character. Everyone else, though, I have no clue their characters in the normal like, comics and shows like that. But mm. um, them coming together, I found it interesting. Like I feel like, you know, it was it was labeled a Harley Quinn movie, but I feel like I could, I would have loved to get more from these gals. Like Huntress, yeah. barely in the movie, really. Right. It's almost end. kind of a joke that she's barely in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but but I. I Overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I, mean, I said that already, but I think the second half is where the movie really gets strong. Right. First half, I feel like 
like, even like the first quarter, first half-ish, I was kind of like, um, okay, I'm kind of digging this. It's all right. But then like, I'm not hating this. I'm enjoying it. But second half, I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. This is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. The, the first half of the movie does a weird thing that I think takes a little bit too long to get going. As much as I enjoy that first half as well, like I think it's still pretty strong, but it does a lot of like jumping around in the timeline. Um for a long time, for like the first hour of the movie, it's starting from one spot. It's doing the, um, to quote another comic book movie, the like, let's do this one more time or like, forget what it is exactly, Into the Spider-Verse where they do the like, hey, here's my backstory, here's my backstory. And then they jump from like one week ago to five minutes ago to three hours ago to two days from now. And then they do that a whole bunch to kind of like give you the setup of why every character is related to the story going on throughout the movie, like why Harley Quinn is important to Dinah Lance of all people and like all that stuff. And then, then she says, okay, we're all caught up. And then we get to the scene where Harley Quinn goes to bust Cassandra Kane out of uh, Gotham PD lockup. And that's where the movie from then on is just straight line, linear storytelling. And we get to the end. You know, from what I know from Gotham, uh, the extreme lack of security, at least precinct <laughs> was awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah all i know I, like, i've seen i'm sure this has been said a million times in the dc world but uh to me like why would anyone live in gotham right <laughs> like this makes no sense and but, yeah and everything i know is like everyone has access to very large weaponry uh weaponry. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, they sure do it's not hard to find out there penguin will sell you like, anything yeah and here they have a little metal detector yeah uh-huh. <laughs> like, and I think that kind of plays into just also like the modern conception of what Gotham is as established largely by Tim Burton and Batman the Animated Series where you have like blimps and also cell phones in the same universe, right? Where mm. you know, it, Gotham has the exact level of technology that the plot needs it to have at any given time, <laughs> whatever looks <laughs> coolest. Uh, and this movie is definitely kind of in that same vein. And uh, that is, you are, you are absolutely right that there have been a number of DC comics over the years that have, like, tried to address that in various ways, for sure. Um, but yeah, it uh, it doesn't, I mean, that has probably been one of the, like, biggest fanboy um, complaints I've seen about this movie. It's just, like, this is a thing I've talked about, I think, on this very podcast before, but I feel like there's a lot of, there's a certain class of, like, angry fanboy person out there who tries to find, like, objective reasons to uh, hate on a movie when in reality what they're actually just trying to do is, like, prop up their own dissatisfaction with a character, like, certain characters being in the forefront. Like, this is an all-female-led movie at the only woman of color who's, a, or the only woman in the movie who's a main character. I guess Helena is also white. I was going to say, um, but like the other three main lead characters are all women of color. Um, we get some really, really, really light nods to the fact that uh, some of them are queer. Uh, Harley Quinn, obviously bisexual. Um, and a one Renee Montoya is gay. Uh, her ex is in this movie in a kind of a major role throughout the movie. But um, her ex? Oh yeah, they say that uh, Harley describes that uh, that oh, DA. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. The DA. Yeah, uh, as her ex, Renee Montoya. Uh, the question in the comic books, which they don't really do anything with Renee Montoya's like superhero personality in this. She's just kind of a cop uh, in this movie, which she was in the comics as well. But uh, if you are familiar with the comics, you'd know she's the the for a while there was the question, which is that uh, character with like uh, no face, like just kind of a, a flat face, wears a mask that looks like that. Um, oh. A one-time girlfriend of Batwoman, one-time girlfriend of Maggie Sawyer, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I did, I have seen the first episode of Batwoman. I forgot. I have seen more DC stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you saw Shazam, didn't you? Oh, it is in this universe. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Except none of these movies really connect to each other in any meaningful no. way, so it's fine. No. Like. And it's kind of fine. Honestly, I almost like that. I mean, this is an R-rated movie. It's another thing we haven't said yet. Um, which means, like, tonally, it does a lot of different things than I think, like, even uh, Aquaman did or Shazam did. Shazam is a movie that gets kind of dark at times, but not like this movie, where it's just, like, very flippant about violence and people getting shot through the neck with crossbows. And oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the violence in here. It's like, like oh, right, God, here we are. <laughs> a lot of legs bending in directions that they're not supposed to be bending no, in. And uh, on camera, not even <laughs> alluded to. No, 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 no. Like, very early on in the film, Harley Quinn jumps on a guy's legs and uh, bends his knees backwards, uh, a driver, the driver of Black Mask early on, and uh, kind of sets into motion a bunch of the plot lines through the movie, actually. Um, it's not, like, grotesque. It's not, like, over-the-top 
crazy violence, but um, oh, it is definitely face, dark. The face peeling. Yeah, the face peeling does happen, and th- that they do kind of cut away from, um, and just show the face itself after it's been pulled off. Um, yeah. Uh, which actually... So- something Black Mask does? Maybe. Probably. Like, he's, a, he's one of those uh, DC villains that is, like... Again, very much like Gotham itself, he's kind of whatever the story ever needs him mm-hmm. to be. He's he's one of those type of villains who has a very like has one thing and not really like a hyper specific personality, and so writers just kind of re envision him every ten years or so. <laughs> uh, which actually brings me to one of the things I really liked and thought worked about this movie is the way that they re envision Black Mask in this movie. It, like makes him just a fucking delicious creep, just a piece oh. of shit motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, like, he, early on, he hires Black Canary to be his driver because he happens to see her kick the shit out of someone. Uh-huh. And uh, I should have asked, can I swear on here? But uh, <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah, of course. All right, good. And he's like, all right, she's my new driver since Harley destroyed my old uh, driver. Mm-hmm. And she's up in his office, room, loft, whatever. And he's, like, being super creepy. And, like, here, look at these artifacts from across the world. And mm-hmm. uh, in just this really creepy way, I was like, is he going to attack her? Is he going to do something to her? And it turned out, no. He was just being really creepy and showing off this weird shit he's got collected. Well, the, the weird shit that he got collected, I think that what this movie does is, there, it's a little understated, but I kind of picked up on it, uh, which is that his whole mask gimmick in this movie, I think in the comics his mask thing is that originally he, like, his family, he was like an Italian mobster and there was like, he was at a funeral and a coffin got exploded into his face and turned his face like into like black skull looking thing. Uh, whereas in this movie, it, it is explained as basically being that he's this like creepy colonialist, rich entitled white asshole who was cut off from daddy's money uh, and is like way into stealing artifacts from like ancient cultures and things like that. And he's just like, oh, aren't shrunken heads cool? They're from Africa and stuff like that. And he's explaining this to a black woman uh, mm-hmm, at the time. Which just is like very cringy. Yeah, oh totally. God. Yeah, and, like, he's completely oblivious to, like, what he's even doing or whatever, and she's like, oh, like, you know, ex-African country, I forget which one he says, uh, like, I've n- and she's like, I've never been there, and he says, like, oh, don't, it's filthy, or something like that, yeah. and she's, like, talking about, these guys are 10,000 years old, and now they, uh, now I have them hanging in my apartment, isn't that crazy? <laughs> and so he, like, and then that is, you know, just a part of his kind of, like, creepy entitled rich asshole thing. Later on, we see him be a lot more misogynist and just, like, trying to exert his power over women uh, in general to make himself feel better, which is fueled partially by his BFF, Zaz. Oh, my God, that scene in the theater, in his club, oh, where God. he's having a hard time with things because his diamond is gone. He hears someone across the club laughing very loudly, and he goes over... And threatens her, basically forces this woman to get up on a table, strip for him, or make someone rip off her dress. And yeah, gives them a knife and like forces, forces him. Yeah. Oh my god, I wanted to just kick the shit out of him right there. So bad. Yeah, totally. Because there's literally no. It doesn't push the plot forward. He's not killing anybody. He's just like he just wants to feel in control. And the first thing that comes to his mind when he like wants to feel in control is to basically like embarrass and like mortify this woman in front of him. That woman that he knows, like he knows her by name and tells her to get up on the stage. Um, And he does the same thing with a black canary throughout the movie. He treats her as like an object because she's a singer in his club originally and then becomes his driver. And there's like a really in that apartment scene or whatever where she's like he's sending her to go find Cassandra Cain. She's like, I can just go. I can catch a kid like whatever. Like, it's not a big deal. And uh, he's like, no, 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 no. Zaz will go with you. And she's like, no, I'm I'm in. I'm fine. And he's like, very like matter of factly. He's like, oh, no, do as you're told. And just like, uh, like, it's one of those moments where you know that if she had pushed, and she knows this too, like, if she had pushed back the slightest little bit, that's when he would have lost it a little bit. And she's dealt with him enough at this point that she knows, like, nope, this is, I can go this far and no further with him uh, in this exact moment. I'm just going to leave and go with Zaz, which ends up screwing up everything because Zaz loses the diamond uh, after they get it from uh, their pickup location. Yeah. Uh, and kicks off kind of the search for Cassandra Kane, who uh, swallows the diamond uh, with the map to the treasure on it. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so, so like, I don't remember any moments in the movie where he treats any dudes like this, really. He'll yell at them or kill them. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. And so totally uh, intentional by the director here, writers. Yeah, totally. And I actually should find... Uh, who the who directed this one as well because i know for a long time like this was margot robbie the woman who plays um harley quinn is somebody who definitely has pushed for this movie and these characters and stuff like that for a very long time this is definitely like a pet project of hers to a large degree 
Um, but I think she was maybe involved in the selection of the director too. It was uh, directed by ba 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 ba. Oh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is uh is is, is she Huntress? Yeah, she was Huntress. Yeah, Rowan oh. Flowers. I completely missed out uh, on that. I just somehow completely didn't even think of it. <laughs> so Kathy Yan was the uh, was the director of this movie um, and did a like I think a, a pretty fantastic job. Like this movie oh. has. Go ahead. I was say absolutely. Uh, I mean, like you could tell this movie was basically made by women. <laughs> oh yeah. In so many ways. I mean, there's the the, the very um, one that was definitely getting shared around on Twitter a lot, I remember, is the, the big climactic fight scene in Amusement Mile at the end of the movie uh, is uh, Black Canary fighting or whatever, and her hair's, like, flying in her face or whatever. And, like, in a very, like, barely, like, the camera's attention is barely paid any, I'm, I'm messing up my words here. Uh, there, it is not really centered in the action very much, but... There's a little throwaway moment where Black Canary asks Harley Quinn for a hair tie and, uh, so that she can put it in her hair and get it out of her face during the fight scene. Yeah. You know, th- little, little moments like that. Uh, it was, well, Harley even just rolls up on her roller skates at, <laughs> and yes. does a hair tie and then she gets it to her. Um, uh-huh. And I love the little nod. Like, all of a sudden, Harley, she was in shoes and all of a sudden she appears in this fight scene. Uh, like, I'm, ju- I'm jumping all over the place here. Um, but now we're on no, this no, fight yeah. scene. I mean, this is a huge fight scene. Like, this was a fun fight. And um, uh, they're in the mid-fight, and all of a sudden, Harley just appears with a sh- uh, roller skates. And they make a comment, like, why didn't she find her time to change her su- shoes? Uh, which was <laughs> amazing. Like, a total nod, like, the ridiculousness of comic books almost in general. Yeah. Um, and Harley uh, Quinn is obviously, like, a much more, like, ridiculous character, but that's part of the charm, right? Yeah. Uh, does she have any more Derby connections in the comics? Yes. So okay. uh, that's a nod to the uh, very recent relaunch. of The whole movie is kind of a nod to the relaunch of Harley Quinn in the last like 10 years, um, which is uh, was was spearheaded by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, sort of a dual creative team that worked on the series for a long time um, that had Harley Quinn split off from the Joker. Um, and then large like the first major arc of that story establishes her like falling in with a group of like friends who are all on a roller derby team together. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So as a former derby girl, I was very excited <laughs> about about these moments where she was doing derby stuff. And there was a bunch of stuff that happened with derby, uh, or oh, at least totally, moments yeah. with derby. And then the friend, her when she realized she was being betrayed by her friends in roller derby. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the bummer. ones who like she breaks some roller derby girl's nose, and then that person comes back to hunt her later on too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that, that's, I mean, her breakup happens or her official announcement of the breakup happens mm. after her friends she walks in on them bad mouthing her oh, i didn't realize those were her roller derby friends yeah, okay. yeah they were all wearing derby uh jackets oh okay i wasn't paying enough attention that's interesting because yeah i don't i don't know where those characters are together in the comics right now also those could just be different derby people like that's just yeah. kind of throwaway yeah. characters um but yeah like overall like the movie i think does a really good job of establishing like harley you know she's definitely the centerpiece of this movie like that first half of the movie is basically all about her but like Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier that you didn't think that some of the other characters got enough screen time did you want to talk about a little bit more about that oh like i mean as someone who had maybe this was plenty for someone who actually follows the comics or has followed the, the comics and movies but for me like uh Montoya, I barely feel. I feel like she got the second most screen time because she was yeah, chasing after Black Mask. Yeah, totally. But, Just trying uh, to put a case against him. Yeah. Yeah, Black Canary and uh, Huntress, or, or, or was it the the crossbow guy? The crossbow the killer. Call? Yeah, the crossbow killer. And she's like, no, it's Huntress. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Huntress, which is a very good gag. Like, I love them playing with the trope. Like, Huntress in this is like the very classic. Um, character who's like, my family was murdered and I was trained by assassins in a foreign country and came back for revenge. And (laughs) she is that, but then also the way that they like present that on screen is that also I'm incredibly socially inept and have no idea how to interact with other people. (laughs) Oh, I fucking loved it. Like she said, you're trying to talk in the mirror, like trying to do her gag. (laughs) Right. Do you know who I am? (laughs) They call me Huntress. And then everybody immediately cuts to a montage of everybody else in the movie calling her crossbow killer. (laughs) It was actually, I don't know how direct this was, but it almost reminded me of like, uh, it, it felt like a sting at the CW shows. 
uh, if you know what I'm talking about, with the uh, like Arrow and Flash and stuff like that, where those shows are very much like, like early on, uh, especially Arrow was like, well, how do we make all of this stuff like not sound ridiculous and goofy to a wider audience? So we won't call him Green Arrow. We'll call him the Vigilante and the Arrow or whatever. And eventually they do get to calling him Green Arrow. Uh, even the city in that show is called Starling City for the first like three seasons before they change it to Star City because they're like, no, we need to make this f- seem realistic. And so the movie almost feels like it's making fun of those kinds of <laughs> weird, like, I don't know, backtrackings on things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, just, just fucking own it. Yeah, totally. I mean, people who are going to watch it are going to watch it, so just fucking own it. Yeah, totally. The, you know, the people are going to... This was actually... This is a uh, conversation I had recently with some people about Game of Thrones, but it's just like... The people who are going to watch this show, like the, the, the open-ended people, the, the wider audience that's going to see this movie is going to have like that one friend in their group who's like me and has read all the comics and whatever. <laughs> and they're going to fuel that discussion between, well, how is this different? How is this the same? Who was this person? Who was that person? Like, what is their history? That stuff's going to happen regardless. So you might as well just have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, gosh, I can do that with so many other people with like avatar or, Oh yeah. Or star Trek. Like I'm that person for that friend. But uh, yeah, for here, you're, like, you're, you're that person with me a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you know this thing that happened? But um, um, yeah, that's a good place to. <laughs> that's yeah, it's gone. No, totally. Um, but uh, the yeah, the movie is like just really good at having fun with itself a lot. There's like, there is an. It's funny that you mentioned Ramona Flowers earlier because I actually was even in the theater thinking like, oh, there's kind of like an Edgar Wright like quality to a lot of the like moments throughout this movie of just like having complete like non sequiturs and segues into like weird things. There's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is uh, Harley's being interrogated by black mask. Oh my black God. Mask. <laughs> Do you want to describe the scene? Yeah. So Harley is like, like tied up to a chair with all these goons around her. And, um, uh, black mask is basically like, slapping her and punching her and <laughs> telling her to get the diamond. Well, as she's kind of in this delirious state, she starts having like a little daydream of yeah. her in this very 40s extravagant uh, dance routine <laughs> where she's in a beautiful dress. <laughs> Surrounded by like backup dancers wearing black masks. Uh-huh. Uh, with diamonds. Singing about diamonds. Was it the yeah. like Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend song? Or what? Yeah. It was like a weird dubstep remix. Of, it starts off as just like a cover of Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend and then starts just like going in weird directions. And the movie just becomes a music video for like three straight minutes. Yeah. It was a beautiful. That was hilarious. And then it just cuts back to like so you're gonna do this or you die kind of thing like she snaps out of it but it's just this great yeah. little moment that's like very much feels like comic book very much feels like what i have in my head is in the mind of joker or harley quinn sure yeah that's a good i didn't even think of it that way that's a really good way to put it though yeah like like and that's the show like this movie uh kind of gets away with a lot of more of that ridiculousness i think by virtue of having a character like the uh harley quinn who is much more unhinged and much more of a like just a living non sequitur like they are a character where i can totally believe it that she would walk into gotham pd and have a grenade launcher that shoots confetti for no good reason (laughs) she shoots people's asses with it and then yeah (laughs) it's like go ahead No, no no go for it I was just going to say, like, you know, th- that is a character who is just, like, whatever style they happen to want at the time, which translates really well to the big screen. Yeah, I would agree with that, because, cause, like, she wants, to, I mean, she could kill anybody she wanted, really, I mean, it's Gotham. But, uh, yeah, she does, just, she does early on. She feeds that one creepy guy right. uh, to a hyena. <laughs> is a hyena in the comics? The hyena is from the cartoon, from where oh, she cartoon? originated. Okay. Uh, okay. She, so Harley Quinn was created for Batman the Animated that part Series. I remember hearing, and so the yeah. hyena was from that. Okay, I want to say she had two hyenas in the cartoon, though. Like yeah. there was Bruce. Bruce was one of them, but I forget the other. I might be misremembering that too. Like I'm by no means a massive, massive DC expert. <laughs> uh, where were we talking about that? Uh, the comic, just the absurdity of it, and, and like yeah, that totally. really fits like Joker and her specifically. Yeah, uh, which is. Like, I think it's fun. Like, I know DC went super hard on making these villains realistic. Oh, I guess I did see the, sec- the Batman, the second Batman movie. Uh, oh, the Batman uh, versus Superman, or no, the, the oh, one the with- Dark Knight. Yeah, Dark Knight, and I, I was so bored. Yeah, I wanted the really, oh, really. Not, I did not like that movie at all. I was hmm. so bored. But anyway, um, where they tried to go this huge, dark, heavy, and like mm-hmm. it was, it was good. I mean, it was a good portrayal, even if I didn't like the movie. Um. And but then but then it feels like you're getting away from the comic books 
comic feeling. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but um Yeah, you I can like be your when, own thing. Yeah, I mean I like it when they're also goofy too, because comic yeah. are goofy. Like, like, like we talk about how uh Marvel when they do the space stuff, how absurd it is and they go for it. They just like yeah, oh, yeah. our space stuff is ridiculous and absurd and we just go with it. And yeah, here's Star Lord turning into giant Pac-Man. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I love it when comics can do that. I mean, I know DC has always got this reputation about being much more gritty, right. realistic, but uh, Joker. Especially huh? the Batman Gotham yeah. related stuff. Yeah, Gotham stuff especially. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Which is funny to me because, like, the most like successful portrayals of Batman ever, basically. Like, I mean, I get like, yes, once you get to the Dark Knight Rise, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins. That's where it gets really deeply serious. But like, the thing that kept Batman relevant for years and years and years was the Batman 1960 series, which was a comedy. It was like a satire of comic books and serials. And and then you had Tim Burton's Batman, which like kind of met, you know split the difference right it was like it was a massive event at the time and it was but it was like ridiculous like the, Jack Nicholson is just a complete like cl- literal clown in that movie <laughs> um and it like has that ju- pulls out like a giant gun out of his pants or whatever you know stuff like that yeah the mask basically <laughs> yeah you know there, I mean hey Jim Carrey eventually That's got right. in there he, he the did. Riddler himself <laughs> Uh, which, ah, man, one of these days, uh, this is the thing we do on every episode of You'll Love to See It, but uh, we should do an episode about Batman Forever. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I feel like those movies are maybe in need of a reappraisal. Uh, oh, those sure. really, really ridiculous neon-drenched uh, Joel Schumacher ones. <laughs> uh, here, uh, getting back to the movie, uh, mm. again, like, one of my favorite parts was the fight scenes at the end. Yeah. The last quarter of the movie here. And it's very much like a well, even the whole damn movie didn't I could feel it like they didn't focus on like the sexuality of like this or their bodies right in any oh, way oh yeah 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 like, not the, like, like Black Widow fighting in an Avengers movie exactly it's like nothing like here's a, a gratuitous shot of her ass like I uh-huh. appreciate that as a lesbian but it's still different when <laughs> like the movie uh, actually just like yeah here are women kicking ass uh, and we're not gonna just objectify them because and I fucking loved it. I oh, had, yeah. I enjoy that so much. And sometimes even poke fun at that, where uh, they're trying to gear up because they have an army of black mask uh, people coming after them. And um, all Latoya, wearing, ugh, all wearing. Sorry, I just wanted to say all his army, all wearing stolen, like appropriated, colonialized uh, gear from like Africa and China and stuff like that. Well, that black mask is like doled out to his uh, yeah. assailants. And, and I thought so, like Joker masks, like clown stuff too. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, we got this uh, market still. Like, let me just steal this on the way to, to the robbery. But anyway, uh, they're gearing up and they have uh, Harley Quinn's, uh, Montoya finds Harley Quinn's uh, uh, corset. Uh, yes, like classic, like so, like basically the Arkham Asylum, the video game version of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. her look. Yeah. And, <laughs> but they're like, no, no, it's actually useful. It's actually like, like to, uh, a bulletproof vest. And, right. And, and we don't see her put it on, but all of a sudden later she's shot and they found out, yep, she's wearing it underneath her. Outfit, right but uh and harley's like yeah see sexy and useful yep. <laughs> like, but again it's like it's okay for them to talk about like wanting to look good in various scenes or whatever but the it's, it's what's crucial is that the camera doesn't like treat them like objects it doesn't like treat them like meat to be like just served up to the audience in that same way they are allowed to have agency over the way they look in their own bodies but like again like we as the audience are not like given them that way you know right it's just a very different feeling i was eating it up i freaking love it yeah i mean i that the, i think all the fight scenes in the movie are, are pretty damn good like honestly um that one in the in gotham's pd lockup where it's just like yep sprinklers just break uh so that they, everything can be like you know because it looks cool when people kick water and, and punch people in slow motion through like rain you know it yep. just like looks cool you know or again the the confetti uh grenade launcher the chase scene where everybody in gotham realizes that uh she's an open target now and it's constantly doing the like cutaways of like this is who this person is on screen with like an animated chiron saying like this is the, who this person is and this is their grievance against harley and sometimes she doesn't even know who they are <laughs> it's just like i don't know they want money or something i guess like uh even that scene when the water is going all over like i feel like uh, a lot of movies are just like well this is harley quinn wearing a white t-shirt uh, right here this is harley quinn wearing a sports bra underneath her t-shirt and yeah nope we're not doing this for looks. We're doing this because 
uh, fighting in water looks cool, not because it does, show yeah. up her tits. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah. I was actually like straight up like, oh, is this where this movie is going to start doing this thing? And it's just like, I was literally just watching like the way that like her clothes uh, interact with the water at that point in the movie. It's just like, oh, no. And then it was like, you know, 30 seconds pass. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're really they're really not doing it, are they? They're, uh-huh. they're actually being showing some kind of restraint here. That's kind of wild. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I also love when she stole the minivan. <laughs> Yes, uh-huh. uh, with like two mattresses tra- strapped to the top from Gotham's like uh, evidence locker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it's like how does anyone find her? <laughs> right. Well, like this is the most inconspicuous. She's driving like max speed, which is like seventy down yeah. like a, an eighty mile per hour bridge, and like, right. And people and like someone is chasing her with a gun, and she just like has Cassandra Kane throw dynamite at them to kill them. <laughs> And it's like she's brought on screen as just like this Frida Kahlo looking uh, motherfucker or whatever. Grievance? Nothing. Money? Yes. Like, <laughs> or would they, oh God, would they show uh, her grievances uh, with Black Mask or Black oh Mask grievances with her? And it's like, you know, broke his driver's legs, uh, made fun of his suit that one time. I voted for Bernie. That's <laughs> <laughs> this long list. Of like, oh my God. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's good. all it's stylish. Yeah, it's 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 not like there's a like I said there's a, there's an Edgar Wright like energy to it, but it's also not. I don't feel like just completely uh, uh, stealing that kind of like ultra snappiness to it. It's just taking a lot of the color and the vibe <clears throat> and doing its own thing with it. That yeah, is like, often very fun. It's like lately like they're like, huh? I watched the Scott Pilgrim thing and I kind of like what they did, but I'm not gonna I'm gonna do it my way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it did. It definitely, when you mentioned that now, I had this Edgar Wright, like, feel or nod. I mean, which is basically him trying to recreate comics in video. Right, yeah. In, or video in, games in video, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And uh, they did a really good job here. I think, like, I mean, I just, like, I love it when comics, comic movies, you know, like I said already, uh, just own that they are comic. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a ton else to say. It's kind of, it's not like a, you know, particularly deep film or anything like that, but it's just like, it's fun in a way that like feels messy and open and able to do whatever it wants in a way that I feel like a lot of modern day action movies, particularly if we're talking like Marvel movies right now, which are so buttoned up and so focus tested and so sterile. Like this movie doesn't feel sterile to me at any point. No, it was kind of a breath of fresh air because you and I have talked before, like after end, I mean, even Endgame, I was like, oh, this is a two out of five for me. Like, I yeah. loved it. But I was like, eh, I think I'm done with Marvel. Then they're like, all right, <laughs> our next wave is going to be a lot gayer. I'm like, okay, I'll come back. Yeah. I'll come back. Uh-huh. But, uh, it's going to be I, gay. We're going to have Blade, uh, multiverse stuff. Like, okay, if you're going to be weird with it, like finally. But it's, it's weird in the, like a very focus tested way of like, all right, we're going to finally be weird with it 17 years later, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I was like, so this is a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. Maybe it's a good reset. Maybe, maybe I'll enjoy Marvel movies more again. Marvel it's not movies. not that I hate them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I have okay. zero, still zero interest in going to DC when they do this. <laughs> I, uh, other than a, like, even Wonder Woman 2 here, 84. Yeah. I'm like, I'm marginally interested. Like, yeah. I love the first one. Uh, here really? Like, okay. It might be okay. They're bringing back Captain Kirk somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Couldn't even keep him dead for one movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So like uh, it might be awesome i just not really excited going in or seeing the ads nothing about that makes you go yeah yeah that was the first time i'd ever seen a trailer for wonder woman 84 oh, really? yeah and i was so it was like kind of this weird moment of like oh you're you're doing the 80s thing huh like aren't we kind of just aren't we wrapping up the whole 80s nostalgia is enough to carry an entire movie thing? Aren't you guys maybe like, but this is your whole thing where you're like, yeah, this is our throwback. Like Thor Ragnarok was five years ago, my dudes. Like it's been a minute. People have done that. Like you think that is enough to kind of set you apart. Whereas this movie feels like it's already going so much farther than that extremely like just nostalgia bait kind of thing um, uh-huh. in an, in the other direction. And it's like kind of eight it's lunch to a certain degree. And yet everybody's like trying to say like, oh, it's a complete disaster. It's like, oh, so they completely ruined it. Blah, 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 you know, whatever they can do. Whereas this movie, like, you know, it only made double its budget back. So it's like obviously a complete disaster. <laughs> That's you know? right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any other closing thoughts about it? I think we're pretty good to just wrap it up there. Did, any yeah. characters that you, we didn't really hit on here? I mean, we didn't really talk much about Black Canary, but... I feel like they didn't give her much of a role either. Yeah. 
Like, well, she had a good role. She had some important bits. I would have loved... I want to see a Black Canary movie. Totally, uh, yeah. Black Canary's a cool character. Like, I didn't know even she had a superpower until the oh, very yeah. end. Yeah, so spoiler... Well, whatever, this whole podcast is spoilers. But yeah, yeah. she... did. So you didn't know that Black Canary had any kind of abilities, like, even... Had, do you never see Arrow, either? No. Okay, wow, okay. My last, last uh, DC TV show I've watched was Smallville. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and the opening <laughs> episode of Batwoman. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Smallville was the last thing I did. And that was only up to like season five-ish. Right, yeah, okay. <laughs> Out of ten or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Black Canary's whole thing is that, yeah, she has superpowers, but like prefers not to use them. It seems like in this movie they kind of like established that, oh, if she uses it, she drains herself real bad or whatever. But in the in the comics, yeah, she has that sonic scream, but she just prefers to punch people. <laughs> she just like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I can thinks it's better. that. Totally, yeah. Like that's that's a that's a mood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, her outfit was fucking awesome. Yeah, just, like it's a very good look. Yeah. Oh man, I'm digging that. Uh, but I wish we could have seen more of her. And I mean, Huntress too. Yeah, totally. I mean, we saw her backstory a little bit. Like you don't need to see much. No. Yeah. It's but, it's kind of the gag, right? Yeah. I feel like this is them setting up like, okay, next we're going to have a Harley Quinn ass movie and then uh, we're going to have a Birds of Prey ass, like Birds of Prey 2, right? Like if they don't say like, well, it only made double its budget, so we're canceling everything. Yeah, and they even went to the, so far as like if they decide not to, that kind of works too. Because totally. Harley is like, yeah, these three went off and did their own police fighting force. Well, me in mm-hmm. here, like I took this little girl on to uh, train her up. Uh, right. So do you know about, um, like, the stuff with Harley and Ivy? Yeah, I've seen plenty of fan art. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> or or even screen that... grabs of comics. Okay, I was going to say, did you know that, like, that's that's another, like, that was a thing that was, like, hinted at in comics for, for years and years, but then they finally, uh, that, that run by uh, Palmiotti and uh, Connor just codified it. They just made them girlfriends and, like, made it a massive part of that uh, story and whatever. Like, I would love to see a movie that is just, like, Gotham City Sirens, which is uh, kind of the Gotham City... This is almost more of a Gotham City Sirens uh, movie than it is a Birds of Prey movie in a lot of ways, because Gotham City Sirens is, like, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman all just going out on, like, a bender together throughout the (laughs) night um, and just taking Gotham apart one by one. (laughs) Okay, Um, you're right. It's definitely felt more like that than... yeah. Whereas the Birds of Prey, in the traditionally, the Birds of Prey do not include uh, Renee Montoya at all, actually. Birds of Prey is, uh, in at least in all the versions I've seen, Birds of Prey was usually Black Canary, uh, Huntress, and Batgirl. Interesting. Well, hell, did they even, call, they didn't really call themselves this. No, uh, at the Until very, the very end. end. when, when yeah. Harley was like, yeah, they went on and became a, a, known as the Birds of Prey. Right. They're, they're basically not even, like, working together until that final fight scene. Yeah. They're kind of at odds for most of the movie. Yeah, they're forced to. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Huntress even brings that up. She's like, uh, I'm like not associated with this fight going on at all. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Is it cool if I just leave? Which is, I thought, like, just the best, like, kind of mode for her in this whole movie. It's just like, no, I mean, I killed I killed the people who, like, you know, I wanted revenge on. So, like, I'm cool. Which leads to, like, one of my favorite things with Harley Quinn, which this movie, like, deploys in really key moments that I thought were really good. Which is just, like, Harley Quinn reminding everybody that I have a PhD in psychology. I'm, like, an yeah. expert on this stuff and she's just like constantly psychoanalyzing Black Mask and uh, Huntress and everybody else like saying like oh yeah I really interrupt his like need for to be the center of attention so because I'm such a like an you know over the top character or whatever and like with her it's just like you know revenge rarely brings us the catharsis we think it will <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that yeah oh I loved I ate that stuff up I loved it I loved it oh, yeah so, uh, so would you would you go see another mo- movie in this uh, kind of Malo I guess if if it was something like this, yes, yeah. but never opening day, <laughs> unless I heard beforehand. Like, right. The DC universe, like, like even like Marvel, I'm kind of like, I'm starting to slowly fade out, but DC's sure. never got me. I had no interest in the Batman versus Superman. Uh, no interest in Aqua Fish Guy. Uh, Aqua Fish Guy, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm sad <laughs> to say, like, I have my interest in Wonder Woman is going down. Like, yeah. It might be awesome, and I hope it is. I hope. And so I will be excited to see it, but it, the av- or none of the advertisements have made me go, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, we'll see how that goes then, and maybe we'll maybe we'll reconnoiter for another one of these in the future yeah. here for another movie, and maybe we won't. We'll see. Or if it, maybe I'll, we'll just do a different movie. We'll uh, talk that about is completely Batman forever. 
Let's let's just get back here for Batman Forever. Let's get to the DC stuff that matters. And it's Tommy Lee Jones in a three-piece suit that is uh, zigzag pattern down the middle. <laughs> it was amazing. Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. As Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Which, like, there's all... Well, we could talk about it yes. on a future episode. We could do this forever. <laughs> yeah, we could. We should wrap this up. We're almost at an hour now anyway. So uh, thank you, Samuel, for joining us again on a podcast. It's always fun to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for, like, we drove ahead on a road trip. I got oh, to yeah. show you my old college town. <laughs> that was cool as hell. That We got to see the weirdest, creepiest theater I've ever been to. And we got to enjoy uh, microwaved taquitos afterwards. <laughs> I got told you, it doesn't taste good. It tastes like nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was totally fine. I was I was happy to try it. So, and I was happy to go to the movie. And I was happy to record this podcast that is, once again, that you love to see it. A fanbite movie and TV rewatch podcast that you can listen to every Thursday, as well as... Fanwith on Tuesdays, we've also got the last episode of Papal Bull Resurrection wrapping up here, a bonus episode that is going up on the site this week. And if you like those shows, if you like any of our shows, you can go to iTunes, Spotify, all those different places, subscribe to our different feeds, rate and review us. It really does help a ton. You can also send messages, emails, responses, thoughts, concerns, questions, conspiracy theories. Fan mail. Fan mail. Uh, Fan art. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah, you can follow uh, Sabriel on Twitter. Where is that at? At Sabriality. And if you can't spell that like me half the time, just go to Sabriel.me. It has <laughs> links to everything I do. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Steven Strom, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. Or you can go to Fanbyte, at Fanbyte Media on Twitter to follow us. And uh, the place that I was going to say that you could send all of your mail to is podcast at Fanbyte.com. And you can also read all the stuff that we do at just regular ass Fanbyte.com. There's a lot of good stuff up there. Until next week, or until the next episode that I'm on of any given podcast, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.